Shalom. Good afternoon, everyone. You're listening to Kol Ramah Radio 102.3 from Camp Ramah in the Berkshires. My name is Rabbi Kevin Svi Friedman, and it's really my pleasure and honor to be joined uh, by two guests, uh, Walema Elefazi Area, from a, a, a member of the Jewish community in Uganda known as the Abudaya community, and Margot Hughes Robinson, a rabbinical student at the Jewish Theological Seminary. Hello to both of you, and thank you for, for, for taking the time. Thank you for organizing this. You're welcome. So I, I first wanted to start with you, Walema. Can, can you please tell our listeners, I know that you're, you're um, here working at Camp Ramah, in the Berkshires, and I know you're doing some of the outdoor trek work and 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 biking work, um, but you have a fascinating story in that you're a member of the Jewish community in Uganda, known as the Abu Daya uh, community. Can you give us a little bit of background as far as how your family just got interested in Judaism and just your path? Uh, in Uganda. Judaism started in Uganda in 19, in, uh, in 1919. This was one of the British who came to Uganda to, to, to construct a bridge. And this was between, between like our, our, some of our, some of our Gulans who missed this guy when he's constructing the, the the bridge and he introduced himself that I'm with you. So this was so much excited f- and where because before that in Uganda there was a place of Judaism in like in, in our in our in our community but coming to be like proud one of our community member meet a British man who was coming to Uganda to to construct a, a bridge. So this gives too much intention, and all of this came together and they, they share some words about Judaism. And this build up a big community because, you know, construction, a rail station like a bridge, it, it, it takes many years. So when this bridge left Uganda, already there was a very big community in, in, in Uganda who was practicing Judaism. So from nineteen from nineteen nineteen up to nineteen fifty, there was a lot of Jews in Uganda, about fifty thousand of Jews in Uganda. Unfortunately, in in nineteen seventy, one of the harsh president came in into power, and this was emphasized Muslims in Uganda. So this president was, was called Idi Amin Dada and destroyed a lot of Jews. Most of them were forced, uh, were forced to, to convert to, into Islam. Most of our Gulans and our Gulans are dead because of Judaism. Most of them learn from, from, from Uganda. So this makes up to the Jews in Uganda. Really, this is important. Most of our, like our lands, our fathers, there is others they hiding about you know about religion because they fear to, you know to die, 
others were running away, others were imprisoned, others were, 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 were killed. So when this president takes in the power for nine years, so when he left the power and he died, a new president came in, and this gives the freedom of worship of different religions. So our fathers and our grandsons who were still alive, who were like being hiding, they come up and again decide to practice Judaism. It is really a big story about Judaism in Uganda. But unfortunately, in after like after after the after the Idamin and the president coming, a new president who gives like freedom of of of, of worship. Our fathers and our lands came up and started practicing Judaism. We get some connections from people from here, US. And uh, in 2002, we, that was our first like conversion made from most, most of the rabbi from US who came to go to Uganda and convert our grands and our fathers. In 2003, one of our committee member from, from from Uganda get a chance and come to 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 US to study as a rabbi. And this gives us a lot of opportunity and to make widely open the world that there are Jews in Uganda. Uh, what was his name in two thousand three? Yeah, two thousand three was called is called Susom Gashum So this was taking a long time, you know, to study about becoming a rabbi, and in 2008 was only as a full rabbi. From then, we had we had another group from US who came to Uganda in 2008 and convert all of us, like among youth, what father and sisters again. That 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 was the second conversion. Then again in 2016, Jews now is is, is growing up with the conversion of our rabbi, who is now Rabbi Gashom. And right now, we are in eight communities in Uganda, and we are still have the new community, which is in the capital city, that is in Kampala, and is now existing for like seven years right now. So moreover, we are nine communities, and we are about 250. 205, which is 2,500 Jews around in Uganda. 2,000, 2,500 Jews in Uganda yeah. in approximately eight communities. Yes. And I, I want to I ask you, and there's been a lot of attention, and first of all, thank you just for, for, for sharing a lot of a, a very a very powerful story. You're um, There was an article by the JTA of June 2018, yeah. um, and it explains how in 2016, the Jewish Agency for Israel recognized the yeah. community, which opened a path for its members to immigrate to Israel. Yeah. So, but before, and, and in a moment, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask um, Margot Hughes-Robinson, our, our, our other guest has had some experience on this issue, so I'm, I'm going to ask her in a moment about that. But I first just want to get from, from a, a sense from you, yeah. um, Walema, what was... It sounds like there was a real passion for study and the passion for conversion. What um, what intrigued uh, 
people in, in your community to 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 want to convert to Judaism? What what intrigued them about it? Why why did they want to convert to Judaism? Uh, this was there was no lot of like streaks because it's like our blood because our grandparents was Jew, so we're just following our lords from you know. Yeah, so there's no mixed streaks because it it is like for our grand. So it is a matter of practicing our religion. So conversion, you know, it takes time to understand. You know, some able of which most 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 of the problem of the communities in in Uganda. Um, and uh, this this time and. Um, how long? How long did it take? Like, how long did it take approximately? Like, because uh, it's a lot of study. You have the Hebrew. You're saying, yeah. How long did it take the process? So, personally, it depends because this one is, is being been by the groups and age. Something it takes like two months, three months, you know, to understand. Such that you can pronounce good Hebrew. That's for working on Hebrew. Yeah. And then for let's say the the whole conversion process. Could it could it take? I guess it depends on the person. Yeah, it depends on, on the person. Sometimes, like like I remember in two thousand eight, where we are like our rabbi from US who come like to convert us. So this takes like uh, you know for being bring like a group because we are like too many in groups. So we are going in in groups and we lead the conversion places once you know then then be converted. Yeah. And how long did he stay? He came from the U.S. and stayed. Was he there like a year? Was he there six more? Was he there a long yeah, time? Yeah, sometimes they spend like three months. Yeah, you know, they've been like teaching us. Sometimes they've been off and on. They go back and next day. They come back and next day. So, it's so like he would come and study and then go back and then yeah. come back again and study and yeah. go back. Yeah. Um, so I want to I want to ask. Um, uh, I, I know, Margot. I know you had mentioned you've done uh, a, a lot of work in this area. The the yeah. The, I'm going to ask you to explain, Margot. I know that there was uh, this article, Israel, recently in June of this year, said it won't recognize yeah. the Ugandan Jewish uh, community. And the Interior Ministry denied the request of a Ugandan Jew, Kibitz Yosef, to immigrate to Israel, uh, and basically saying that he could challenge their decision in the High Court of Justice. So, um, Mar- Margot, tell us a little bit about your experience um uh, on the issue and who you worked with. Absolutely. Um, is it more like my team for this conversation if I speak about my work with emerging Jewish communities and their representation in Israel with the Silk Newt more widely or specifically around the Abu Yadaya community? Give, give a little bit of background general across communities and, and then and then I would die. Wonderful. Okay. Um, so I first got involved with this issue when I met uh, Rabbi Andrew Sachs, who's the director of the Masorti, the conservative movement's rabbinical assembly in Israel, um, and also the director of the Masorti movement's Bureau of Religious Affairs. Um, and I met him several years ago when, as a Masorti convert living in Israel, I had some documentation issues um, regarding my visa and regarding my own uh, legitimacy, as did my husband with both the state and with um, some internal things with the Masorti movement, and spoke to him and some lawyers from the Masorti movement um, as far as figuring out what I needed for my situation. Um, A few years later, actually last summer, I got involved with an organization called Kulanu Inc. Um, Kulanu means all of us in Hebrew, and they were founded in 1994, and they um, support isolated, emerging, and returning Jewish communities all over the world. How do you you spell Kulanu? K-U-L-A-N-U, Incorporated. 
Um, they're a fabulous, almost entirely volunteer-run organization that sends educators to emerging communities in um, Madagascar and Uganda. We had um, a fellows team last summer. I went to Guatemala. We had someone in Uganda. We have people in Cote d'Ivoire, people in Ghana, um, and also in smaller emerging communities in Brazil as well that were served by the rabbinical student fellows. And I've also worked with um, a teacher of mine, Rabbi Juan Mejia, who's currently based in Oklahoma, but is originally from um, Colombia, who has worked a lot with emerging Jewish communities in Latin America. I worked with them specifically around coordinating student lobbying efforts for the Venezuela Nine, which was a case that got a fair amount of attention involving the Sochanut, involving the... um, the the ministry, um, both the interior ministry and the Jewish agency, the Sochnut, the Jewish agency, uh, vis-a-vis legitimating um, the the visas and the right to the law of return for nine um, Venezuelan converts whose um, recognition process was delayed because um, both officially because of some paperwork issues and because of their affiliation with the Masorti movement, but. Um, it's become clear both in cases of a lot of Latin American Jewish communities that are mainly um, comprised of communities that refer to themselves either as uh, Ladino, meaning not the Jewish Spanish language, but um, what we would maybe call uh, mestizo or Ladino of um, basically non, non-white Jewish converts who are seeking um, connection with the Masorti movement, connection with uh, things that are going on in Israel or even to make Aliyah often really struggle. Uh, and there's pretty clearly some racially charged um, discrimination that is coming into the process. Uh, these communities are often have all of their paperwork in order. They have for years. They're ready to be recognized, um, or they have been recognized, and their uh, members of their community want to come study at conservative and Masorti organizations in Israel. They want to make aliyah. They want to take advantage of things like birthright. I believe there's a birthright trip that may be getting off the ground in Uganda. Yeah, yeah um, that people are really, really excited about. Um, but... Along the way, there's been um, yeah numerous visas denied, people coming thinking that they're going to be able to take advantage of the right of return and being given the wrong visas at the airport, people being made to reconvert at the airport, um, people being held for a long period of time, myself included, when we try to enter the country. Um, and as well, we've had cases this last year of several Massa funding recipients from um Ugandan communities and other communities having to provide a lot of extra documentation for their Massaf funding and for their visas or having their Massaf funding cut. Um, people were actually had all of their funding taken away in the middle of the year and made it through their academic year studying at the conservative yeshiva on donations raised from within the Masorti community um, because Massaf uh, took away their funding because of claims of like delegitimacy of these people's Jewish identities. Um, so most recently, I, um, last December, went to the Knesset, last winter went to the Knesset as a part of a um, day organized by Rav Siach, which is a um, arm of the Masorti movement in Israel. And it was a con- day for rabbinical students who were studying in Israel for the year um, at Schechter, at the conservative yeshiva, people from JTS, people from Ziegler, and our Israeli counterparts to go to the Knesset, learn a little bit about lobbying in the Knesset and being introduced to issues um, that were live right now affecting the Masorti community. And uh, because I was already previously connected to this issue, I um, explained to my colleagues a little bit what had been going on vis-a-vis a lack of recognition of emerging communities and even communities that had been sort of legitimated or converted on the auspices of recognized Jewish communities like the Masorti movement. Um, and we talked to a Likud member named Abraham Nagoza, 
who is a really fabulous advocate of the Ethiopian Jewish community. He's a member of that community. He was born in Ethiopia. I believe he's you know, very, very proud, rightly so, of the fact that he was assimilated into Israeli society. I think he has like five degrees at this point and is a Knesset member. Um, his, na- his name again, when you said was Avraham? Avraham Nagoza. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, when we spoke to him, I had the chance to explain to him some of what was going on um, in terms of people's visas um, being rescinded, funding being cut, um, people being deported after coming from um, these communities that were suddenly suspect, even though having been confirmed many, many years before, um, and also share with him some of the things that my husband and I had experienced um, as white converts to Judaism and how, while our experiences were difficult, involved a lot of extra paperwork, were not always um, seemingly entirely legal under under what we understood our rights were with the Sochnut or with Masorti Olami, um, how much worse it had been for our brothers and sisters um, who were coming from communities not in the U.S. or who were not white. Um, and the immense amount of, of pressure and sort of undue um, and unjust extra investigation and often denial of, of services and denial of, of rights within the country. What did he say? What was his reaction to your, to, to your presentation? Um, I think he was not aware that this was an issue across the board um, because this issue came to light around the same time as the debate over asylum seekers from um, Eritrea and other places in Africa. Um, often the issue was starting to get conflated in the Knesset, I think, that the, a lot of this anti-black and anti-African racism that we were seeing vis-a-vis asylum seekers, yeah. um, the members of African Jewish communities were often being sort of caught up in that same web. I think it was said, maybe at a hearing, um, for Yehuda Kamani, someone said, you know, well, if this guy had been Satmar or if he was from America, this really wouldn't have been happening. But it was sort of the twin affiliation of both of these communities were not from wealthy or white um, or, glo- you know, communities in the global north and that they were affiliated not with Orthodox Judaism. Um, they were they were being rejected and it was not at all about an actual issue of legal legitimacy. It sounds though. So once you explain to Avraham Nagoza when you're in your in the Knesset meeting, he said he's a member of Likud. Mm-hmm. Once you explain to him and parsed out the details, what, it, it sounds like he was a more sympathetic ear. But what what did he? What was his response once once you parsed it for him and explained? What's going on? What did he What did he say? Um, I think if I he was pretty shocked. I think that he was not aware of how widespread this issue was, um, and I'm not sure what happened in the interim. But in the last few weeks, I have seen him appearing in videos advocating for the um, for recognition of these Masorti African communities. So it's been really great that that's actually been a very successful piece of advocacy that was really spearheaded by Devorah Greenberg and by Rabbi Andy Sachs in order to um, start getting some more advocates in the Knesset, um, because the Knesset does have a, a few members of the Masorti movement who are Masorti Jews within the Knesset, but they often don't have um, the same kind of voice that someone like Abraham Nagoza, who's a member of a leading party and a very powerful party, has um, within the Israel uh, Israeli legal process and their can, legislative process. Can you please explain for, for us, Devorah Greenberg and Andrew Sachs, how, how do they help facilitate getting contact with these Knesset members? How, how do people, um, how do they help get access to that? Absolutely. Um, one of the things I think that's actually great about Israel is that there's a massive amount of access 
to the legislative process. Everything that happens on the Knesset floor, um, some things are sort of closed or sealed, but most discussions that happen on the Knesset are open to the public. You can either go and watch behind um, a screen of glass, or sometimes you can actually be invited into the room itself to observe what's going on um, in, in real time. As well, the Knesset posts um, a schedule almost all the time, sort of a daily luach of all the different hearings that are happening within different subcommittees uh, that are going on within the Knesset. So if I know that there's a hearing scheduled maybe in two weeks and it's an open to the public hearing from the Ministry of Absorption, I know that likely um, the issue that I'm connected to of recognition of emerging Jewish communities is going to be on the, the docket to be discussed and I can attend that meeting. I may not be able to present in that meeting unless I'm specifically requested, but I can go and understand more directly what's happening in those meetings and who's speaking and where, um, what the locus of a lot of the discourse is, which informs then lobbying efforts, which informs um, how to shift and who should be targeted vis-a-vis bringing more awareness to this issue and ultimately bringing recognition and, and a just treatment to individuals in these communities. Very good. And, and last question for just for now, and then I want to, I want to ask you one other question, but Margaret, you're, you're saying, and, and did, did um, Rabbi Andrew Sachs help set up the one-on-one meeting with Avraham uh, Nagoza? Did he help facilitate that through the Masorti conservative movement? That was a part of an official day that's been, I think, a long-standing um, minhag, so to speak, between the Knesset and members of the Masorti and conservative movement. Um, that every year, rabbinical students from the Masorti movement have like a special Knesset day where they tour and are, um, you know, like are given an audience with various different members all over the political spectrum within the Knesset. Um, and I think it was. Because we knew in advance that we were meeting, happened to be meeting with um, M.K. Nagoza and Rabbi Andy Sachs was both coordinating the effort um, to seek greater legitimacy for these communities, and as the um, as someone who's very involved and and has a high, very high ranking position with Masorti Alami, as the director was helping to um, organize the Knesset Day itself, we were able to kind of conflate the two. Um, towards both a purpose of allowing myself and my colleagues to sort of have a better idea of how the Knesset worked and, and the role of American and Israeli um, conservative and more sort of rabbinic figures within the Knesset, as well as getting to speak very pointedly to certain key players about this issue. Thank you. Uh, Walim, I, I, I guess I just really want to ask you, when you hear this, that there's this recent article in June uh, just a, a month ago, yeah. that Israel, uh, the, the in, Interior Ministry denied the request of the Ugandan Jew Kibitz Yosef to immigrate to Israel, yeah. saying that it didn't recognize uh, the Ugandan Jewish community. How how do you feel when you when you hear that? Really, I feel somewhat bad because Israel is like our home, all Jews. So when Israel don't recognize Jews from Uganda. Really, I think beyond on my, and I, on, I think beyond on my understanding. Because really, it's a bit misunderstanding, and uh, I don't even see the reason why the Israelis, the entire ministry of Israel, are not recognized the Jews from Uganda. It is really a big question, like myself, like my community member, and like people like rabbis. We have like some point to put across. We just think about it, but you don't know what's the truth about it. 
Uh, one of my reasons why I think that Jews from from Muslim from Uganda is not recognized to Israel, like to 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 make an hell one, we are under conservative movement, and uh, I hear that mo most of the like pe like people on the cabinet are Orthodox. Maybe I think it may be maybe the reason why I may not recognize this. Uh, next, I may think that there is maybe they are racist, maybe, you know, about maybe Ugandanese or about maybe color, you know, discrimination between. All that we just think about it, but you don't know the, the reason why, because all of us, we are Jews. Mm -hmm. um, the third thing, I may think that maybe the incidents which happened in Uganda during the men's regime, because mm, when the Israelites were killed, like uh, like the um, Israelites were killed in Uganda, especially in uh, Entebbe, um, many Israelites from, from I mean from the from the air force from Israel came to Uganda. Like there's there, there is a plane who was hold by the, by the Plex, by the Palestinians, so they hold that that plane and bring to 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 Uganda. So there was some kind of torture for the Jews and I hear and even I watched some some movies that that one of the brothers who is now the Prime Minister of Israel who, who was killed in Uganda. So all this we come up like, you know, when you sit together you bring some ideas and you think about it. It really builds understanding and it really pains a lot because all of us we are Jews and it really we appreciate that let us all work together actually because Israel is our own what what would you um, what would you ask God willing what would you want to see the Jewish community in North America and the United States do to to, to help you what what would you ask what would you ask the the Jewish community in North America do like to, to me like in the process of being in Israel, or like or right, in, like in what Europe? could what could we do in North America here to help uh, your your community, the the Abu Daya community? What what could we do to help you here in North America? Uh, one, I think that let, let us work together such that Jews from Uganda be recognized in Israel, like in every activities carrying out in Israel. Ne next, I hope we are. In a lot of developed countries, we need some assistance in difference, like, like in difference, like living, utility, what you know. There is several things which makes you know to feel feel like to feel feel to to be like a great Jew. Just to be on the level that this this really a Jew. For example, like me in my community where I live, that is an Amtumba community. Uh, so when I when I come to US because this is my first time to US and uh, everything is really amazing and uh, you know it is new to, 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 to me. I've seen something already you you observe like Shabbat what first like yeah everything is totally different. Of which how in, how how is Shabbat so how is Shabbat different like what, give me a sense what is what is it like what, what is Shabbat like in your community in, in Uganda like Shabbat like here when we are coming like Kabbalat. Like on Friday evening, really we come together, all of us, and you know, 
we we share the meal together we we film together we make all different things to together of which this is in Uganda this is very difficult because no one can afford this like to make to make this be possible like to make all of all members come together and you share a meal together because it is a bit expensive and uh, you know to present that purpose so really I'm very happy when I'm see this taking place and uh, I wish and uh, I request if it's possible you can request this and take back to, to, to my to my communities in Uganda. I have to say that the the Kabbalat Shabbat here uh, where everybody dresses in white at Camp Ramon, yeah. the Berkshires yeah. and we overlook the Agam the lake yeah. Yeah. it's something that God willing we all want to bottle it yeah. and I want to take it back to to my community I'm I'm going to be the assistant rabbi at Fairlawn Jewish Center in Fairlawn New Jersey wow. and I want to bottle that that ruach yeah, as well and and take it back um Mar margo i know you were gonna, about to say you wanted to share one one f uh, thought um absolutely i think just regarding um attitudes of jewish communities in north america i think that it's very easy for us to see how masorti judaism is looked at and treated within israel and assume that that is the um, reception that we're getting from the entire world and to assume that Masorti or conservative Judaism is really an only a North American um, phenomenon. And I think that what people in communities that I'm a part of are often missing is that while Masorti Judaism has not been as wildly successful as we might hope, although there are really meaningful and deep pockets um, of Masorti Jewish life in Israel, that outside of North America and outside of Israel and the rest of the diaspora, Masorti Judaism and the Torah that we are providing and that we're putting out in the world, especially over the internet, is being received as something that is incredibly vital and incredibly life-giving and incredibly inspiring. Um, that people are hearing that the Masorti movement has developed a way of being a Jew in the world where you can be of the world and in the world and also live a life that's really steeped in, in Jewish tradition. And I think that we don't give ourselves and our communities in North America enough credit for how powerful that is. I think that we need to start thinking not just about you know, where is the, the Masorti heartbeat of New Jersey and how can we serve that population, but really start thinking worldwide and thinking about these communities um, all over the African continent, all over Central America, Latin America, South America, and even places um, more recently in, in Asia that have been receiving this this Torah and are so excited to be a part of what we're building and as a part of our communities. Um, and I think that sometimes there's an initial trepidation being part of an ethno-religious group, being part of a faith people that, oh, because these people don't have the same, maybe their grandparents didn't have the same Jewish experience that my grandparents did. Yeah. You know, they're, they're different or they're a different kind of Jew. But I, I think that the fact that it's the Torah and the theology and the, the scholarship that is so imbued with spirituality that we're sharing globally, I think is such an incredible opportunity. And I really want to urge people who might be listening to this podcast who are part of North American communities to start thinking more globally about the possibilities of the Masorti movement and the incredible, incredible things that our brothers and sisters all over the world are, are doing with this Torah. Very beautiful. I think, I think Margaret, what you're saying also makes me remember a lot of the feelings I'd have uh, just sitting at the Jewish theological seminary mm -hmm. and sometimes uh, really being able to confront issues looking at historical context, looking at our sacred text, and not being afraid to ask any question. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the real beauties of our tradition is just being being able to, to ask and then deeply explore all questions 
in 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 with with a, a look towards the Masora to the tradition and and considering a lot of the factors that we face in everyday life and 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 looking back at our sacred text with with many different lenses um, and I you know I received a text from one colleague of mine Craig Artell who was the co-president of the men's club with Nate Keen at the Highland Park Conservative Temple and he had been in touch with a Rabbi Aaron Kintu Moses yeah. the director of the Hadassah Primary School in Mabale Uganda yeah, and just for our listeners, um, you know, he's another resource. His email is H-A-D-A-S-S-A-H-K-I-N-T-U at gmail.com. Again, H-A-D-A-S-S-A-H-K-I-N-T-U at gmail.com. Hadas Kintu at gmail.com. And his telephone is 772538565. And... I just also have a note that I guess Alan Zalaba is uh, Alan Zalaba is going to be Rabbi Kintu's successor at the synagogue. That that's what my friend had said. And then also really interesting is that apparently there's a female uh, member of the community studying to be the first female rabbi from Uganda. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so there's a lot of really exciting things. Um, really exciting things going on. Uh, I, I want to give you, um, I want to give you the last word, Walema. Is is uh, is there anybody that, uh, as far as contact information or or a website or that that you'd want to share or or I want to just give you the last word. What, what, what you know? What what would you want to express or have people know? Like either contact information of. Of someone like an email of of your of your rabbi, if yeah. there's an email. Yeah. So I have like here the email for for my rabbi. That is rab mogoya at gmail dot com. So that's. I just want to make sure I have it right. His. So, this is oh this is your rabbi. Yeah. So this is Rabbi Mugoya. M-U-G-O-Y-A at Gmail. Yeah. And um, very good. Well, yeah. and, and, and final thought, is there, is, there, is there just anything you'd want people to know, uh, you know? Yeah. Um, I call upon all the people in the world, like in the U.S., different parts of the U.S., different parts of the country, that the Jews in Uganda are real Jews and are practicing all the details mm-hmm. of, 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 of Jews. Like, if you want like, to absorb, if you can maybe kill some people like, to, to, to represent, they can come, because really we welcome, and we still need more ideas from you. We still, we still needing some like, volunteers to come and teach us Hebrew, because, you know, we still we have many, proje- we have many like, projects in, in Uganda, and uh, really, I call upon if the, if there is any help or if there is any assistance, please come and be a manga of the co- of, of the of the community in Uganda. Like especially, like in my community, we have no running water. 
people move different distances to get water for drinking. You have no no running water. No running water in my community. Like in Namtumba, people move different, like five miles, eight miles, like to get water for drink. And some some water has been shared by the animals, you know. So this when I came here and I say every place, every place there is water. Really, I was said, why wow, this is a good country, you know. So so I my pick that that this idea, if there is any help, please. The Jews and Uganda really they are in help. Next, I may put a close about the power. In Uganda, for us, we don't we don't have power, especially in my community. In Namibia, no no electricity. No electricity. So I was wondering here, from where I said like in the airport, different places are moving like around like some. Let, let, let me say in New York, there's really well blocks with electricity, and really. This makes some things easier, like keeping Shabbat, what, what, like for us in Uganda, like to keep our Shabbat. We cook our food, like maybe potato or what, but then after, after we keep our food like uh, on Friday, then we keep, we keep it. We don't have fridge, we don't have what, don't that like, make the food that be safe to, to, to eat, but we keep it and, you know, we keep, when we, we observe the, the Shabbat until, until Saturday night. N- night, then we make up. So, if there is any, any opportunity and his idea and his help, we call upon your, your support and we figure out what we can do like to help each other that we can be in the, in the same to, into interesting life. You know, you need to practice how to do it. Then I call upon if there is any support, like like in Uganda, most of the Jews we, we base on farming. Really farming because this is the most important because it's where we, we get food to eat, it's very good food, like to support, to support, like to, to be receptive in like, like keeping Shabbat, and uh, some, you know, it is not easy not to, to, to farm and you get like, it is, it is not social source of income because it, we, we don't have enough source to make it to be like, like a source of income, because it needs sometimes like to buy fertilizers, what, what, land, you know, so this is one of the one of the, um, the main activity which I may put some emphasis if there's any help, you can come in and we practice farming. Next, we know we can, we can practice like rearing animals like goats, uh, cows, if, if possible, because in Uganda this is, it's, it's, it, 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 is, it is possible, but you know, it is expensive, like, like the lower villages like where I live. So if there is any of the opportunity, any of the chance, really request a call upon your support. You call upon your like to bring out some good ideas, bring out some new experience about Jews. We want like like religious books. If there is one who have, like when I came here Tefrin was compulsory like every morning. In Uganda, like Mikumita, we have like three Tefillin, of which is not enough for like three pairs of tefillin for the whole yeah, yeah. community. For the community, we are three hundred fifty Jews in my community, of which this is really small and that. So when I see here, every people exp- ex- practicing putting on tefillin, really I got to even so this is possible. I can take it back to, like to Uganda, such also will be experiencing this. Yeah. Then I call upon if there is any support of like school. Tikkun, because this makes someone who is a trade hebrew 
and expressing to the to the to the Torah, you know. Yeah. This yeah, like 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 practicing. If there is any book like Hebrew lessons books, like book one, book two, read your comes and we appreciate it. If there is any kind of help about you know you know we based on Judaism, I will look. I, I, I met one member of the Abu Daya community at the men's club event. They had uh, brought him to the men's club yeah. event, which was beautiful. And is there your contact information? Do you have an email? Yeah, I have what's, my... Yes. What's your email? My email is, El, is Eli, Eli Walema at gmail.com. It is E-L-I-W-A-L-E-M at gmail.com I have my phone number contact you can contact me it is a plus two five six seven 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 six three four six three seven four three nine again my contact plus two five six seven 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 six three seven four three nine i want to thank you god god bless you walema um thank you so much for for sharing really a very very profound story i want to i want to thank you also margo um for for everything i have one point to put across i have one i have one point to put across you know about myself and um, I completed my my high school two years ago. Okay. And uh, you know it is hard, you know, to join like an ecology in Uganda. It is a bit expensive. And right now I'm looking for support, like such that I can join the university or an ecology or any school or any any structure such that I can be competing. You know, you know the world of Uganda is supposed to be education. So even this I'm calling upon if there's any any support to support me in my studies. Yeah, I call upon your, 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 your support. God bless. This is Mitchell here, Mitch Mernick, and I've been on the board here. I want to, on behalf of Koorma, thank you, Rabbi Kevin Friedman, for bringing Walima and, and Margo here. Walima, you have an open invitation. I hope you'll come back yeah. next week. I think there's a lot more to talk about. Thanks. I want to thank you all. I want to thank our listeners on Koorma.us and... Uh, Keep tuning in and watching the podcast because we're going to hear more from Walima as the summer goes on. Thank you. Okay.